Praise the Lord. Welcome to another session of Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. I'm, I'm, I'm Cross Time. I'm Pastor Curtis here with our sessions now entitled Bible Faith in Light of the Cross. The only way we look at everything is through the light that emanates from Christ and His work at Calvary. I'm so thankful to know that here moving into the latter years of my life. I'm so thankful that even though many years have been wasted, and wasted they were, uh, that today's focus can truly be Jesus Christ and Him crucified, that which the Apostle Paul was given, the focus of Calvary. And, and, and because he was able, God was able to get Paul the Apostle to the place spiritually that he needed to be, he could use Paul to write almost three-quarters of the New Testament and, and give to us all the great wonderful truths that we need as the church to make it to that finish line today. Praise God. We're just excited. This is part seven of Bible Faith and Light of the Cross. And you can go ahead and get your Bibles and get ready to jump right into James chapter 2. We've got an hour. It'll be gone here in seconds when you're having a good time. And uh, we're doing this broadcast uh, a day early because tomorrow we'll be flying. Uh, we're headed to Sydney, Ohio to be with Pastor Preston Nasal and the congregational folks of the Preeminent Word Fellowship there in Sydney. And we'll be there Saturday morning at 10 a.m. and Saturday afternoon at 5 p.m. And then again Sunday morning at 10 a.m. with Pastor Preston and the good folks there in Sydney. Uh, just so precious it is to find uh, congregations these days who are focused on Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Sees that blood-stained thread running all the way from Genesis to Revelation and not just using that phrase, but seeing the Word of God from Genesis as the living Word of God, Jesus Christ, all the way through to the book of Revelation. He is our Genesis. He is the beginning. He is our revelation. He is the ending. And all of that culminated at the cross. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Again, let me say how wonderful it is to be with you whenever it is, whatever day it is. Get your Bible. Get your paper. Get something to write with. Uh, again, this is part seven, and we're going to move into James chapter two today, something that is uh, quite controversial among those uh, who don't understand the Bible. And today God is going to, as we actually move through James chapter two, it'll probably take a few sessions for us to get through this second chapter. It's so wonderful. The topic is faith, and the Holy Spirit wants us to understand I said understand some things. And let me just say this. I'll be talking about this a little bit this weekend in Sydney, Ohio. But you can know the right object of faith to have, being that of Christ and His work at Calvary. But you still, there's other things that have a part to play in that. It's your understanding of that. And it's also your will. You, just because we know the answer is the cross does not mean we automatically submit to that. Many times things happen and we find ourselves doing things that obviously is not the fruit of what Christ did at Calvary. And you know it as good and as well as I do. I'm telling the truth. 
And so it's, we, we need to learn. We need to have more understanding. And the more we understand and allow the Holy Spirit to apply to our hearts and change us, and the more we actually submit our will to the Lord, we, we learn to walk in a place of humility and, and, and obedience to the Lord, then uh, we're going to find more freedom and liberty in our lives. Jesus taught that according to what you hear and how you hear, that's going to determine what's added to your life and what's taken away from your life. So we need to be very careful about what we're hearing and how we're hearing it. And uh, as we move through this second chapter of James, it's going to be wonderful it's going to be marvelous because we're going to see some things that we've not seen before, I'm sure of it, and we're going to be reminded of some things we've already known, and the Lord is going to strengthen us in the things that we already have a little hold on, and I pray that He would impart the truth of His Word to us and, and cause us to, to be stronger in the faith. And, and that's what we need to be stronger in. In the faith, he, 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 you know, it's not going to be well. Now you've got more faith. No, now you are growing in, in strength in the faith, and that's what we need to remember. So let's look at this James chapter two today. Again, it'll take us a little while to go through this second chapter because we won't just read it. We won't just listen. You and I, we want the truth of God's word. We want that which the Holy Spirit can show us, teach us, and guide us into. He will lead us into all truth. That means there's an experience for what we're learning. If there's no experience in what we're learning, then we're, we're not really learning as we should. The Bible says, Paul told Timothy, in the last days they will ever be learning, but not able to come to the knowledge of the truth. The knowledge of the truth is the experience of the truth. And we, we really haven't learned until the experience starts. You can watch me ride a bicycle, but you still don't know how until you get on the seat and you start pedaling and you hold the handlebars. You know that I know how to ride a bicycle, but you and, and, you, and you watch me, and, and that may be a little bit a part, portion of the learning is to see how somebody else is doing it, but until you get on the bicycle, my friend... You don't know anything yet except that I know how to write it. So as you take God's word personally for your own life and you trust him and allow him to lead you into the experience of truth, then, my friend, you're going to find a, a, a real Savior, a real Holy Spirit, and a real Christianity working in your life. And I praise God for those that do find that. Verse 1, my brothers, have not, which means hold not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. You know why the Lord's telling us here through the writer of Hebrews not to hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with the respect of persons? Because it won't work there. That's not the faith that works. If we're trying to if we're trying to hold the faith and and, and we're and we're in the, uh, carrying out this this thing called respect of persons, we're going to find out very quickly that that's not the faith. That's not the faith won't work. Uh, let me just go ahead and say it before we move too farther. 
too much farther along. The measure of faith you and I were dealt by the Lord Himself when we trusted in His righteous work at Calvary, that object of faith hasn't changed. If we try to use God, that measure of faith we were given outside of its object, Christ and Him crucified, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Here we're being told, don't hold the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord of glory, with respect of persons. Now listen to this. Why? Because it won't work there. That's not faith at work. Listen, write down about eight verses, verse nine. But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. And what that actually means is you're convicted of the law as a transgressor. Faith only works in the object of Christ and Him crucified. You say, we got a whole Bible we're to put faith in. Let me say this for those of you who may be new following this ministry. Righteousness is what Christ did throughout His whole life. Remember what he told John the Baptist when he came and requested to be baptized and John said, man, what are you talking about? I, you need to baptize me. And Jesus said, no, let us do this. Let us fulfill all righteousness. Every work Jesus did was a work of righteousness. But it wasn't until he died that is the work of righteousness that allowed him to become the door of our righteousness. Isaiah 32, 17 tells us the work of righteousness is peace. And the effect of righteousness is quietness and assurance. Listen, the work of righteousness is what Christ did at Calvary. If the work of righteousness is peace, the result of the work of righteousness is peace. And Colossians 1 and 20 says, He made our peace by the blood of His cross then what he did in his own blood at Calvary, his death, is the work of righteousness that gave us peace. And we need to know, yes, we need to know these things because through that work of righteousness comes this measure of faith we've been dealt. Let's look at, let's look at 2 Peter, for those of you who are new, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained, obtained it. It didn't come from us. We've obtained like precious faith with us, Peter says, through <coughs> the righteousness of God and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. It was his faith. He li Jesus lived by grace through faith. Hebrews 2 and 9 says Jesus tasted death by the grace of God for all men. Jesus lived by grace through faith and when he died that was the fulfillment of righteousness. The righteousness of the law was fulfilled in Christ upon him dying. The work of righteousness is peace. Hallelujah. And you, you ask the question, well, do we place our faith in Jesus and what he did at Calvary or do we place our faith in all the words written in the Bible? 
Now just hang on to what we've just showed you in the Word and let's add one more before I take you to a certain place. Romans 10 and 10 says, It's with the heart men believe unto righteousness, then the mouth confesses unto salvation. But it's with the heart we believe unto righteousness. What, how did we believe unto righteousness? Remember, the work of righteousness is what, who Jesus is and what Jesus did in his death at Calvary. Now, to answer the question, is it Christ and his death that is the object of faith or is it every word of God? You can't separate them, my friend. Here it is. Get your paper and your pencil. If you followed this ministry, you've heard this. And you're, not, you're never going to stop hearing this. If it gets old to you, then you don't have it like you need it. If you're not excited about it and it's not a fire burning in your bones, you still don't have it like you need it. But Proverbs chapter 8, verse 8 says, All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. Write that down. Proverbs 8 and 8. Every word God has ever spoken is in righteousness. Hallelujah. And Romans 1, 16 and 17 tell us that the righteousness of God is only revealed in the gospel. So every word of God must be in reference to in the context of Christ and Him crucified, which is the gospel. There is no other gospel than Christ and Him crucified. And when that's where our faith remains in the Son of God and His work in dying for us as the Lamb of God, then the Holy Spirit can take... He, first, He gives us the measure of that faith. Remember what Paul said in Galatians 2.20? The life I live now in this flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So when we see James chapter 2, verse 1, my brethren, don't hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with the respect of persons. Because when, when, when we're respecting different persons, exalting one and lowering down another, and, and we're going to see that, faith is described in chapter 2 of a fruit of believing properly. That's what chapter 2 in James is really all about. We're going to see this, that faith is never alone. Faith does not abide alone. Faith never abides alone. If faith is biblical, it's got works with it or it's not faith. We'll see that in this second chapter. And that's really basically the overall statement of what James is writing here, that faith is never alone. If, if all you got is faith and you don't have works, my friend, you really don't have faith. Because Galatians 5, 6 tells us something profound if you'll read it right. Faith works by love. But just think about that. Faith works by love. And it's the love of the Lord Jesus Christ that gave himself for us. Loved us and gave himself for us. That's the faith we live by. It is the faith of the Son of God. Because it wasn't ours only as we trusted in Christ and what he did at Calvary. 
Only as those that came to Jesus for healing and for deliverance. And he, and he would tell them, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. But yeah, it was, it was their faith. He called it their faith. He calls our faith our faith, but only because it was placed in him. Only because it was placed in Him as the Savior, the Redeemer, the Healer, the Master. And when our faith remains in the death of Jesus, the only object of faith that there is, then the Holy Spirit can reveal our Savior to us greater and greater and greater in our calling and election. We can make sure by constantly looking to Calvary. But it's the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's talk about that for a minute. Let's look at... Before we dig too deep into that, let's look at uh, Romans 12 and 3. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. That's not, that's not every man in the world. That's those among us as believers because there's another place in the New Testament that says not all men have faith. So we know this is talking about among the believers. Look, for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you. He's writing to the church in Rome. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. How do I think soberly? According as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. We trusted, we believed from the heart, Romans 10, 10, under righteousness. As we trusted in the gospel, we heard of the righteous Son of God doing the work of righteousness at Calvary to forgive us of our sins, and God dealt to us the measure of that faith. It's the faith of the Son of God that we live by. He lived by it, died by it, and was raised again by it. And we know it was by faith because Jesus said in John 10, 18, no man takes my life from me, because I'm the one that has the power to lay it down and to take it up again because I have this commandment of the Father, which means he had the word of his Father to come and lay his life down and to take it up again, and he had to live by grace through faith in that commandment. We need to understand that. It's the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he didn't give you a big measure and me a little measure or me a big measure and you a little measure. It's called the measure. It's level playing ground. Men today try to make it look like their preacher or themselves have a whole bunch of faith. No, let me just make this statement. We'll get into this later. You're either strong in the faith or you're weak in the faith. But if you're a Christian and you, you're, you're, believe, you're a believer upon Christ and you've entered through, through the shed blood that he shed for you at Calvary, you're in the faith, my friend. If, if Jesus is still your Lord, if you're still trusting in him, even if you're not getting everything right and you're weak in the faith, you're still in the faith. Now, I taught that wrong for years. You look at Romans chapter 14 and you'll see the, the, Paul telling the church in Rome to receive those that are weak in the faith. Don't kick them out. And he says, do it without uh, having disputations among them. 
receive those that are weak in the faith. And then he starts talking about who they are. They're still only eating this and not eating that because they think it's getting them somewhere spiritually. But hear me. They're just weak in the faith. We need to hear that. We need to know that. For years, I told, oh no, you in or you out, friend. You in or you out. No. Thank God that we're not thrown out just because we get a few things wrong. We can be strong in the faith and growing with, our, with, with strength in the faith or, or we, we can be weak in the faith. If I still think that, 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 that I can't eat pork or, or that, that I can't, I can't uh, go outside and get the mail out of the mailbox on Sunday and, or Saturday, the Sabbath. I, I if, if, listen, and that's where, hear, hear me today, that's where we need an increase of understanding and a submissive will to the, to the increase of knowledge that the Bible says in Proverbs 2, we should be crying out after seeking like hidden treasure so that we won't stay in these miserable, cloudy places, but we'll have more light, more clarity, and more strength in the faith. Now that's good stuff right there, my friend. That's good stuff. So James chapter 2, verse 1, my brother, don't hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring in goodly apparel, and you know what that means, that means fine dressing. He comes in, man, he dressed, oh, he's done being to the high dollar store. But there also comes in a poor man in old shreds. And if you have respect to him that wears the high dollar clothing and say unto him, sit up here on the front row in a good place, but you say to the poor man, you just stand over there, sit here under my footstool. Are you not then partial in yourselves under become <coughs> judges of evil thoughts? And it actually means judges with evil thoughts. And we're no longer, listen, we're no longer using righteous judgment. Remember, Jesus said we are to judge righteous judgment. Righteous judgment is not going to be a respecter of persons. Everybody okay today? Watch this now. Acts chapter 10, verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. God's not a respecter of persons. When Christ was on that cross doing what he was doing on the cross by grace through faith, God wasn't a respecter of persons because the Bible says, let me quote it to you again, Hebrews 2 and 9, Jesus tasted death by the grace of God for all men, rich, poor, Black, white, yellow, red, brown, ugly, pretty, good-looking, big, skinny, slim, every nation, tribe, and tongue. God sees us all as either in Adam 
The old Adam are in the new Adam. In the first Adam are in the last Adam. That's all God. God's not looking at color. God's not looking if you're wealthy or if you're poor. God's looking to see one thing, who you're trusting in. What is it you're trusting in? What, what faith are you living by? Because there's only one faith we obtain from the Lord, and that's that which comes through the righteousness of God that work of Christ at Calvary, and I can't say it enough, when our faith is in Christ and what he did at Calvary, I'm not talking about it used to be. I'm not talking about we say it is. I'm talking about with my heart. That's what I'm trusting in. There's going to be found there the humility that was Christ, the obedience that was Christ, the grace that was Christ, the faith that was Christ, the righteousness that is Christ. We only have today the results of what Christ did at Calvary in operation and fruit in our lives if that's what our faith is still in. The fruit of the Spirit doesn't just happen because we're Christian. Well, listen, while I'm trusting in what the Bible says was the manifestation of God's love, write it down in your notebook, 1 John 4, 9 and 10, the Bible says, in this was the love of God. Let's just go over there and look at it. Let's get it all right today. 1 John 4, 9. And we'll read verses 9 and 10. 1 John 4 and verse 9. In this. Why don't you just go ahead and tell yourself that? In this was manifested the love of God toward us. Because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Verse 10, here in, in here is love. In where? Well, let's look. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Did you see that? The cross of Christ is the manifestation of God's love. And again, if that is what I'm trusting in, when the situation arises, when that circumstance appears, when that trouble surfaces, if that's what I'm trusting in, love is going to be the fruit. Grace, mercy, peace, strength, all that Jesus provided in His, in his death. You need to understand that. I, I, listen, uh, a man was rude to me in, in, in the supermarket. And, 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 and I, I never even really looked up at him, but he just said something rude to me. But I'll tell you, inside of me, we realize sometimes there's nothing good in our flesh because inside of me, I mean, you, you get a pretty good idea of what I wanted to say or do to somebody that's just rude to you. just pops up out of nowhere and says something rude to you. He don't know you from Adam. Our flesh wants to grab somebody around the neck and poke both eyes out. You don't lie. Don't lie to yourself. That's what your flesh wants to do. But you have the Spirit of God. You've been given the measure of faith and if we'll learn to fight the good fight of faith, to, to apply 
Apply that faith by humility. And it all takes place if we just look back to Calvary. You've got to look back to Calvary because the experience of humility you need, you're not going to have it unless you look back to where it comes from. It's not floating around somewhere, my friend. It comes into our hearts by faith. It's the faith of the Son of God. That faith was a humble man. That faith was a, a faith in the, in the promise and the command of God for him to be doing what he was doing, that we've been brought into that obedience, into that humility, into that manifestation of love. So when we're, when we're respecting persons, and boy, we have a tendency to do that. Now the honest, now the religious person, they can't see past the nose on their face. But those who are walking with the Lord and sin still breaks their hearts, we realize, we realize because we're walking with the Lord, being led of the Spirit. That means our faith is in the sacrifice of Christ. When we venture off and we begin to find ourselves respecting others, lifting some up and putting some down, we're going to be convicted by the Holy Spirit. We are. Verse 4, Are you not then partial in yourselves and become judges of evil thoughts? And it means judges with evil thoughts. Now we've all been there. Don't, don't say you hadn't. You still got, you, you, you're under law if you're denying that you've never been in, in this. You, you know, you've, you've looked down on somebody, and, but then you've looked up to somebody. And it's okay to honor folks, but, it, 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 you know, if, it, you can't be looking down on nobody because they don't have quite the money they do. And I know we got folks running all over the country. They won't go get planted in a church where they're preaching the cross, but they'll go get planted where the name is famous where the name is famous and everybody knows this church, everybody knows this name. Come on now, somebody. Come on. Respecter of persons. Hearken, my beloved brethren, has not God, verse 5, has not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith? Has not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith? And heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to them that love him. Remember now, faith works by love, but it's, it's not our love. It's not our love. It's the love that was shed abroad in our hearts, Romans 5 and 5. Yes, we can't love God without the love that, of God that was shed abroad in our hearts. People say, I've loved God all my life, even before I was a Christian. No, no you didn't. God didn't acknowledge it. He might have saw you wanting to or, or knowing you should, but we, nobody can love God properly, biblically, without the love he deposits, sheds abroad in our hearts. Romans 5 and 5. Nobody can love God except with the love he gives us to love him with. Everything else is a fleshly thought behind that love. Verse 6 but you have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Rich men, the Bible here says, oppress the poor. And the church in that day were materially poor. 
physically poor. And the judges and, and, and the rich men would drag the poor people to the judgment seats. Do they, do not they blaspheme that worthy name by which you're called? The world blasphemes the name of Jesus. They use his name for everything but calling upon for their salvation. They degrade the name of Jesus. They degrade Jesus as the Son of God. They trample underfoot the blood that was shed for them, that holy commandment. Verse 8, if you fulfill the royal law, this is what we call the golden rule, according to the scripture, you shall love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. Can't nobody love the neighbor as they love themselves unless they're operating in the love of God because that's the only love that can love others properly. Even the unlovable. Even those that, 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 that man, you, sometimes you, they can't be loved. That, everybody can be loved. Whether they love you back is, is not a part of this equation. The cross wasn't about God loving those that loved him. He died for sinners. While we were yet sinners, God-haters, rejecters of God, he still sent his son to die for us. Yes, one day we would be saved and, and we would love God, but he didn't do that when we loved him. He did it when we were outside. He did it when we were rejecters of God. He did it while we were sinners. Sinners don't love God. Let's make sure we understand that. They might say they do. They might write songs about they're just sinners, but they still love God. A sinner can't love God until he comes to the one that loved God and loved us and gave himself for us, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's read verse 9 again. But if you have respect of persons, you commit sin and are convinced, convicted of the law as transgressors. Verse, verse 10, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, break the law in one point, he is guilty of all. If we've ever sinned one time, we've broken all the laws. We've committed adultery. We've committed fornication. We've lied, we've stolen, we've, and it's a matter of the heart. That's what Jesus brought. He brought the matter of the heart. Remember, he said, you, you, you've heard it's written, thou shalt not kill. But I say unto you, if you hate your brother, you're a murderer. He took it to the place where really everything happens, and that's in the heart. Because anytime anyone before they've ever gone out and bought a gun and went and killed somebody, they were already a murderer in God's eyes because they were hating them in their heart. You understand that? If you've ever broken any of the law, you're a breaker of the whole law. That's what the Word of God says. Let's read it again, verse 10. For whosoever shall keep the whole law, but yet offend in one point, break the law, any of the law, just in one area, he is guilty of all. That's every person who's ever lived because all have sinned 
and come short of the glory of God. You know what that's telling us along from Romans scripture along with this scripture? That all have broken all the law in God's eyes. Every person who's ever lived other than Jesus Christ has broken every law of the Ten Commandments. Every, now think about that. And when we get a conviction, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, when we hear the gospel of sin, that we've offended God, more than just been found uh, uh, rejecting or, or doing something opposite from what the law says. Listen, God is the lawgiver. When we disobey, God is offended. And we've disobeyed the whole law, every law. We need to think about it. That should break our hearts to the God who created us in his image and gave us the earth and set us, put us in motion and provided everything and we rather believed another voice. Instead of the word of the Lord, we believed the voice of the devil and followed him and gave him the authority that we once had. Listen now, verse 11. For he that said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not kill. Now, if you commit no adultery, yet if you kill, you are become a transgressor of the law. No matter which law we break, the law is the law. And when we break and fail and sin in one area of the law, we're lawbreakers. Doesn't matter which one it was, but all of us, the truth is all humans have sinned committing sin by breaking every law. Everyone, I think a good example of that was Moses coming down the mountain and when he saw what was going on, he threw the whole Ten Commandments and broke them all at one time. <laughs> we use that, we say that, but he was a sinner like we are and he literally broke all the laws his own self even after they were given to him. That's what the Bible says, that we're lawbreakers. Look now. Verse 12. So speak ye and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. Look at this. So speak ye and do so. Speak and do as they that shall be judged by the law, the word of God, of liberty. The law, the word that liberates. That means the word of God in the context of Jesus, the one that said, the volume of the books written to me, search the scriptures in them, you think you have life, but they testify of me. The word of God is our word of liberty. And we're to speak and to do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. That, that's powerful. We, we could teach on that and, and pick it apart, but we're being told to speak those things and to do those things as people that are going to be judged by the law of liberty. The Word of God. What did we do with the Word of God? What did we say? 
What words were we found speaking in this life? What actions were we found experiencing? What works were emanating from our, our faith, our lives? Because it's all going to be judged by the law of liberty. The Word of God in its liberating context, which is Christ and His cross. I hope we're getting that. For he shall have judgment without mercy that show no mercy. And mercy rejoices against judgment. The mercy that was offered to all in Christ on his cross, in his death, that was God's mercy being offered to all who will simply come to God through Christ by faith in his shed blood for the remission of their sins. If you look back to the Old Covenant, God had a temple and the high priest went in and he offered blood in that one place, one day a year, on that holy place, the Ark of the Covenant, where the mercy seat was above the Ark of the Covenant. The mercy seat. I like to say the mercy seat of God's grace because God could continue to be gracious to his people because the blood was poured out on the mercy seat. It's The blood is what made the seat merciful and allowed God, because of his compassions and mercies that fail not, to continue to be gracious to his people. That's why... We have to keep daily going to the sacrifice. Jesus is not on the cross. He's not hung up on a tree in Jerusalem, but he has made that the object of all of humanity's faith. There is no other object of faith God offers. Throughout the Old Covenant, they had to look toward a Savior who'd been crucified who would come and lay his life down, the seed of the woman that would crush the head of the serpent and forgive them and, 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 and give them the liberty they longed for, the freedom from sin. And after the cross, it remains the object of faith. It's not the resurrection that is the object of our faith. The resurrection is the justification of what happened at Calvary. The resurrection justified the cross the crucifixion, as it was words that would say, I told you so. Jesus was able to be raised from the dead because his work, the righteousness of God's law had been fulfilled. The perfect work was finished. Therefore, that allowed him to be raised on the third day and to ascend into heaven and to be seated at the right hand of the Father and to become our great high priest so that we could daily come and obtain mercy and find grace in our time of need. Hallelujah. So, he's, he's, he, now look, we're, we're working our way through James chapter 2 He's taking us somewhere because he, 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 he's talking about faith here. He started this chapter out, don't be holding the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons because it won't work there. That's not faith we're holding any longer while we're respecting people. We, we've, we've, done, we've laid the faith down and now we're, we're being led by the flesh because the Bible tells us Peter said, God's not a respecter of persons. We read it in the book of Acts a while ago. And also, in verse 9, we see that if you're a respecter of persons, you commit sin. Let me say this. Write it down. 
We already know it, but it, it does us good to look at it. Faith can't sin. Faith can't sin. Oh, I need to say, faith can't sin. If I'm being led of the Spirit, walking after the Spirit, if I'm led by faith, faith can't sin. Faith cannot sin. I, I have to, I, listen, I'm no longer holding that faith if I'm respecting persons. He tells us, don't be holding the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. We are holders of the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we live by. But when we begin to respect people, exalt some and lower down others and, and treat people different based on their color, their finances, their car they drive, the house, whatever brings about a respecter of persons, that's a sin. That's a sin. Faith can't sin. I can sin, but faith in operation can't sin because anything not of faith is sin but faith works by love, and God is love. That's why God is by, he's in and behind any true biblical faith. Any true biblical faith, God is in it, he's behind it, and guiding us into it. Faith can't sin. I can sin, but faith can't sin. Faith has never sinned. We've sinned, but if we're holding fast faith, faith can't sin. It's the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. Out of that faith, our faith, this measure, we've been measured, given by the Lord. Listen, that faith can't sin. So those that say their faith is in this and that and their faith is in they have to wear long sleeves and they, they, they can't wear this and they, they, they can't do this and they, they have to do this on this day. Faith ain't telling them to do that. They're, they're not understanding God's word. See, faith comes by hearing God's word. I've, I've got to keep saying this. The Lord's really showing me this kindergarten way of seeing this and it's really biblical. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But when faith comes, faith comes because we've heard the word and if we do the right thing with the faith that comes, then we'll be found walking in that experience of what we heard that brought faith. If we don't walk in what we heard, we're not a doer, of what we heard, we're only hearers but not doers. Faith came, but I didn't hold it. I let, I, 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 and I didn't become a doer. Faith came, I heard it. It comes by hearing, but I didn't become a doer. I've deceived my own self. James wrote that as well. Do you understand that? How many Christians have heard 10,000? messages from the Bible and they ain't moved in years. They hadn't moved in years. They think they're, most Christians think their maturity is just them getting old and can't do much physical anymore. Let me tell you, a lot, most Christians, if they still had the young, vibrant health they had years ago, they'd be doing the same stuff they did back then because they've not moved They've not been moved. They continue to go to church, some few of them, 
But, but it's not about going to church. We need to be in a local church, but it's about hearing God's word. Faith comes and faith moves us into the experience of the truth of that word. See, here we are speaking and here we're found doing. Jesus said, my family, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. The hearers won't make it. He said, those that call me Lord, Lord, they're not going to make it. He said, those who do the will of the Father, they're going to make it. And that's basically what James, we're going to see him having written in this second chapter. Let me say it again. I said it at the onset of this session today. Faith is never alone. A working faith is never alone. And if it's not working, it's dead. Faith has fruit. Faith has the works of the Holy Spirit involved. And fruit is for others to see. Not just me to think in my head I've got fruit or fruit that I, that I, I say I have. No, fruit is for others to be seen. The fruit of my faith, Jesus taught, we taught it uh, four of the seven sessions on Bible faith in the light of the cross. We looked at the parable of the sower and the seed. And after he talked about the sower and the seed, he taught, immediately goes into that those that receive the light don't put it under a bed. Those that received the light, don't, those who are keeping the word and the word's bringing forth fruit with patience, it's not under a bed. It's not under a bushel basket. It's up there so others can enter in as well. Others can see as well. Think about that. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Are y'all okay today? I hope so. I hope you're being blessed. He says here now in verse 13, For he shall have judgment without mercy that has showed no mercy. And mercy rejoices against judgment. And again, mercy triumphed over judgment at Calvary for us. Jesus, our judgment for sin was laid upon him and God's mercy was offered to us. Listen, here is really the reality of it. We get the grace, God gets the glory. Hallelujah. We get the mercy, Jesus took the blunt. He took the suffering on our behalf. He's the one who was put to death in our place so that we could be forgiven. Glory to God. He was condemned so we could be accepted. You know the song. He says in verse 14, What does it profit, my brother, though a man say he has faith and have not works, can faith save him? And the answer is no. Because if there are no works, there is no faith. Faith is never alone. You can get that out of your mind right now. Faith is never alone. Faith comes by hearing the word of God and if we submit to the truth of Christ and his sacrificial work at Calvary to the point where we trust God with the word he's offering us, faith is offered us, faith comes, we become doers of the word, if we opt out of doing the word, faith is dead. Faith dies. It dies when we refuse to do. 
Faith comes by hearing, but the rejection of it causes it to die. Let me go back to Galatians 6. Let's just turn over there together and look at it today, why don't we? Galatians 5 and 6. We'll get there. Galatians 5 and 6. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision. Neither one avail anything. But faith, which works, let's just stop there. Faith works. Faith works. Faith works by love. The love of the Lord Jesus Christ that by grace through faith offered himself for us. There's what happened at Calvary. If that truly is what I'm trusting in, oh, somebody needs to hear this today, and I pray they do more than from my lips, but from the Holy Spirit in their heart. When you're trusting in what Christ did, not saying you do, but when you're broken in your heart and trusting in that work, Everything that happened at Calvary by Christ, through Christ, you and I can partake of today. Think about that. Now, faith works by love. It's not circumcision, not long sleeve shirts. It's not not cutting your hair. It's not not wearing makeup. Why? Because that's everything you're doing. Faith works the Holy Spirit in your life. And all his works are done in truth. Psalms 33, 4. For the word of the Lord is right and all, for the Bible believers, not everybody claims to be Bible believers, a Bible believer today. For the word of the Lord is right and all his works are done in truth. The Bible says truth is in Jesus. In Ephesians 4.24, the truth is in Jesus. When our faith is in Jesus, meaning our faith is in his sacrificial work at Calvary, nothing else, if that's where our faith is, faith is going to be working in our lives. Faith works by that love and the fruit of that faith is going to be manifest. The fruit of the cross the fruit of the Holy Spirit is going to manifest in our lives. If there's no manifestation of fruit, of works, there is no faith. Why? How can you say that, preacher? Because faith works. But faith has to find a heart of belief. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God, but until I believe that Word that comes... I'm not going to allow that faith to move me into the experience of doing that word I heard. How many here today that they should be in a local church, but they've not become a doer of that? How many today hear the word speak of tithing and offerings being brought into the, to the, the storehouse, but they don't do that? Faith is trying to come... The word is, is, they're hearing the word, 
but there's something wrong with their hearing. Remember, Jesus said it's based on how you hear, what you hear and how you hear that will determine what is added to your life and what will be taken from your life. So it's, it's how you're hearing, how you're determining the value you're placing on the Word. Faith comes when we hear the Word. When we hear the Word, we become doers of the Word. Could we say that today? Let's try that out. If I, if I'm, if I don't become a doer of the Word, then I'm a hearer only. So we have heard. See, see, we could talk our way through this with Scripture, and that's what we have to let happen. Scripture has to confirm and define other Scriptures. So we can be hearers, James says, but not doers. We can sit and hear the Word of God and not become a doer. That means there's a faith issue. That means the object of our faith Something's wrong there. We need to examine it. If we say our faith is in the cross of Christ, then we need to apparently be crying out to God for more knowledge and understanding. It's Proverbs chapter 2. Why don't we just go look at that today? It's a Bible study. It's what we need in the church today. I hope you know that. It's what most people, they don't, they don't want it. They just want God to snap his fingers and give them what they want, when they want, how they want it, with who they want, and why they want it. It's not about his word, his will being carried out through faith in his word in this life. Listen very carefully. Proverbs chapter 2, getting ready to close here in just a moment. My son, if you will receive my words and hide, that means treasure, my commandments, First, you got to understand God's Word not coming from heaven in an optional mindset from God. They come in as commands. If you'll receive my words and treasure my commandments with you so that you incline your ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart unto understanding, yea, if you cry after knowledge and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then shall you understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Because the Lord does give wisdom and out of his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He lays up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. And we could go on and on, but it sounds like to me understand, knowledge and understanding don't just fall on people. That's something we got to be seeking. Kind of goes along with Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, doesn't it? They that believe it's impossible to please God, but they that come to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that, that's it, diligently seek Him, diligently, constantly crying out, taking His words and evaluate, evaluating them properly as more important than any other words that would come and cause you to not to become a doer of that which you're hearing, for that's full of deception. That's full of deception. That's all we've got time for this week. My goodness, 
My goodness. We'll be back next Friday morning at 9 a.m. for part 8 of this same series. Tune in. We're about to get to the good stuff here in James chapter 2 talking about Bible faith and light of the cross. Pray for us as we get ready to go tomorrow to Lima, uh, to, not to Lima, but to Sydney, Ohio. And uh, we're just so excited about that. Look forward to seeing our, our brothers and sisters of this like precious faith there in that area. And uh, we just pray that you've been blessed today, that God will have stirred your heart with the truth of his word and maybe shined a little more light on some things you already knew or maybe give you something that you didn't know. Whatever the Lord did, whatever he's able to do, I'm thankful for that. Don't forget to pray for us. Don't forget to sow into good ground. You can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com or you could text the word GIVE to the number 903-231-5950. God bless you. We do love you, and we are praying for you in this mighty outpouring of God's Spirit as He pours out of His Spirit the truth of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in these last few moments of this era of time we're living in called the times of the Gentiles. God bless you. See you later. Until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. God bless you.